Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Have you ever believed something only to be proven wrong about it later? Well, this happened to me recently with something that has changed my life. Oatmeal. For my entire life, I had never eaten oatmeal because I never talked to anyone who said, you know what, oatmeal is really good. It's one of my favorite foods. You ought to try it. Instead, it was always the opposite. People I talked to about it, they either tolerated it or they didn't like it altogether. So I had never had a bowl of oatmeal until January 1st of this year. I decided that I was going to go on a Daniel fast to begin the year. Uh, a Daniel fast, if you don't know what that is, it's when you eat mostly uh, fruits and vegetables, no meats or dairy or beautiful desserts, which meant I had to figure out what I was going to eat for breakfast. Well, for me, the only thing that just kind of fit in was oatmeal. That first bowl of oatmeal, I was actually afraid to try it. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to choke on this thing. I'm going to gag. Is it going to poison me? Well, I tried it and I loved it. So much so that every morning I now eat a bowl of oatmeal like this for breakfast. Mmm, doesn't that look good? And then I add banana and mixed veggies with it. Whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, you believe certain things about what it means to follow Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're not a Christian, you might believe that following Jesus is a lot like I used to believe about oatmeal. Not only have you never talked to anyone who truly likes it, but you see things on social media. You see things on the media. You believe you have to vote a certain way, be anti-science or anti-anything fun. And it's like, no, thank you. I don't want any part of that. Now, if you follow Jesus, you might believe following Jesus is just about following certain rules or about going to heaven when you die. You know, you follow Jesus but you mostly just tolerate it. It's definitely not something you give your entire life to because who wants to give their lives to something they have to tolerate, right? Well, today, it's the final episode of Empower. And over the last few weeks, we've been on a journey together to give you a better vision for what a life following Jesus is all about. And the focus of our series is this prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed in the first century. In this prayer, Paul makes a, I think it's a hard-to-believe claim about what a life following Jesus should look like. Here's what Paul prays. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now that word heart, that the heart is that part inside of you where you feel and sense deeply. Paul says that before Jesus, your heart is darkened to certain amazing realities about God and certain amazing realities about you. But when you follow Jesus, your heart begins to see these realities in order that you may know the hope. Hope, that's this idea that there's something better. The hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And so here's the claim that we've been looking at. The same power 
that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you because the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus now lives in you if you follow Jesus. Now, do you know what that means? That means that following Jesus is much more than just, you know, going to heaven when we die or being anti this or anti this. And this one might surprise you. It has very little to do with rules. You see, if you believe those are at the core of what it means to follow Jesus, I have great news for you. Like I used to think about oatmeal, they aren't true. Following Jesus is about living an empowered life, that God has a bigger vision for your life than you do. But it's something that you can't experience without tapping into that same power. So here's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. We have been learning how to do just that. And we've learned that everything that we need to know is found in the life of Jesus. And in particular, three practices that we find in the life of Jesus that we were actually meant to follow. Now today, we're going to talk about the third and final practice. And the third practice is found in the New Testament book of Acts. And if you aren't a Bible person, and one of the reasons you're not a Bible person because you think it's boring, and I get that, I want to encourage you to read the book of Acts. This was kind of fun. Recently, one of my kids read it for the very first time. He's like, Dad, it's actually really good. And I was like, yeah, I've been telling you this for 15 years, you know, but it's true. The book of Acts is very good. And in the book of Acts, Peter gives us this great picture of what this looked like in the life of Jesus. And Peter walked closely with Jesus for three years so he would know. And so here's Peter talking to a group of people who didn't know the full story of Jesus. Here's what Peter writes. He said, And you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed. That word anointed, anointed just means this, this special setting apart. How anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Now notice how these two go hand in hand. At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now he had access to divine power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. And then look at the outcome of being anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He performed healings. Now, how did he do that? Because God was with him. You know, we often throw, throw this phrase around a lot. We'll say, well, I know God is with me. But this is different than that. This is more than that. The Holy Spirit stayed with Jesus and empowered him to do what was the will of his Father, to do good and heal people in need of it. Now, for us, this is God is with me in a way that he is releasing his power through me to accomplish his will through me. You know, I believe God wants to use every single Jesus follower to bring that kind of good into this world. And it might look different, but it's that impactful because... The same power is available to us who follow Jesus. The word power, and we've been looking at this throughout the series, the word power is where we get our word dynamite. Last summer, I had the opportunity to drive a 700 horsepower Shelby Mustang. And for me, that was an amazing experience because I love sports cars. I love speed and I love power. And I might have been driving 90 down a road where the speed limit was 35. In fact, here's what I left on, on our street, which the neighbors loved. Now, that car 
had explosive power. Followers of Jesus have access to spiritually explosive power that can blow through any obstacles we face that is aligned against the will of our Father for our lives. And that's really important because here's what you need to know. When you align with God's will, there will always be obstacles. Now the question is, what must we do to release that power within us? So this leads me to practice number three. And here it is. We must not try harder, but yield harder to the Holy Spirit. And this idea of yield, it's this idea of to defer to or surrender to. There's this great story in the Old Testament, which if you're not a Bible person, the Old Testament is actually the part of the Bible before Jesus. So there's a great story where a man named Zerubbabel was charged by God to rebuild the temple, which had been destroyed actually during the time of the Babylonians. Now this seemed like an impossible task for him. So an angel comes to him and tells him how he's going to pull it off. And so here's, here's what the angel said. So the angel said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power. In other words, not in your strength because it's not enough. This is way bigger than you. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? And so the task to rebuild the temple is compared to this huge mountain that stands in his way. Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. But by my spirit, he says, you aren't strong enough to accomplish this on your own. The strength to remove this mountain will only come from my spirit's work within you. Jesus also used this imagery of mountains standing in our way. Uh, Here's what Jesus one time said. He says, truly I tell you, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, this mountain, this this obstacle or opposition, move from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so Jesus uses this idea of a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds. Jesus was saying, hey, it's not the quantity of your faith, but the quality of it. There are no limits for for those of us who place our trust in who God is because faith is not about what we can do, but what God can do through us. That he can remove any obstacle necessary to accomplish his will through us. So to live an empowered life, we're going to face mountains. And these are mountains that need moving. All we need is just a little faith in God's spirit. And we will see him move the mountains in our life too. One of the stories that has really inspired me recently, just to see what an empowered life following Jesus can look like, is the story of Kaylin Moore. Kaylin is known as the person who went from Compton to Rhodes Scholar at Oxford, yet his life was just filled with one mountain after another. From growing up in Compton, which is a place that was filled with gangs and violent crimes, broken families and poverty, to having to leave the house at 6 a.m. in the morning to collect cans for cash because he was now the man of the house while he was still in elementary school. Well, then one day, he talks about receiving a dream that one day he would play Division I football and get a Ph.D., and he didn't even know what a Ph.D. was at that time. But I want you to hear directly from Kaylin a bit of his story through a speech that he gave at the Black Student Athlete Summit. Three years from this exact day, I had a broom and I had a mop in my hand. 
But one day I heard a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King and it changed my entire perspective. And I started to write down dreams, dreams that were too big. And I wrote on a piece of paper and put it in my dormitory room on the ceiling. I told myself I would not stop playing football until my father could see me play on TV from the prison that he's at in Tehachapi, California. It had nothing to do with making it to the league. My mindset was different. So I, got, I convinced myself, okay, I'll need some revenue to be able to buy a plane ticket so I can make these dreams happen. So I got the job as a janitor on the exact same campus that I was at. So every day I'm mopping and I'm sweeping and I'm so humble. And I used to mop and I would sweep with a hoodie on and I was so depressed and so discouraged. And then one day, there was a young man that was walking past me. He looked at me and I looked at him. I kept mopping, I kept sweeping. And he said, you missed the spot. I looked at him, I said, where? And then he spit on the floor. So he walked past, I said, hey bro, come back. He started walking back towards me. I turned to face him. I said, tell you what, bro, where are you about to go right now? He said, I'm going to the cab, you know, somewhere you can't go because you're a janitor. I said, is that right? Tell you what, when you go to that cab, tell them to put that food into your hands. Then bring that food from your hands, bring it back out here, put it on this floor and eat it off this floor. That's how clean this floor is gonna be when you get back. I shook his hand and said, have a nice day. I heard a quote that day, Dr. Martin Luther King. It said, if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painting, sweep streets like Beethoven composed music, sweep streets so well that when you die, may all the hosts of heaven and earth look upon your grave and say, there lived a street sweeper who did his job well. I changed my entire mindset on that day. I told myself, if I'm gonna be a janitor, I'll be the best dang janitor that ever lived. If anybody comes past this spot on Marist College campus, they're gonna know Kylan Lewis Moore must have been there, cause it's spotless. That's the type of mindset that I started applying to every single thing that I did, is to do every single thing I do to the best of my ability. I can't help but to reflect back on the statement the young man said. He said, I missed the spot. I'm thinking about the fact that right now I'm writing a book and my literary agent that represents me is the same one that represents President Obama. But I missed the spot. I'm thinking about the fact that my father was able to see me on TV playing football. But I missed the spot. I'm a scholarship student now at the University of Oxford on a full ride road scholarship. But I missed the spot. I got the spot. Being hungry is when you want to eat. Starvation, if I don't eat, I will die. You must dream dreams that are so big, so unrealistic, so unimaginable, so unfathomable. They're destined to fail. You have to dream dreams too big. Kalen's story inspires me. He had every reason to let the mountains he was facing keep him from the dreams God had placed in his heart. But he didn't. And by the way, he did play Division I football at TCU. And he did get a PhD. Today, Kalen is 25 years old. He's married to a wonderful Christian woman who is an Olympian. And they have a daughter together. And he even started a nonprofit helping kids and recently published his story in a great book entitled A Dream Too Big, the story of the improbable journey from Compton to Oxford. What's the secret of Kalen's power? I'm gonna let you tell in his own words. God can insert himself in our situation when we understand that we don't belong to circumstances, but we belong to God. 
And with that mindset, we need to know that we need to dream dreams that are so big, so above our circumstances, so unfathomable, so unimaginable, so unreasonable, so unrealistic that our dreams are destined to fail without the divine intervention of God. This display of power was explained to Kalen when he was just a boy. He actually found a, a comic book on the ground, and through this comic book, he learned about this superhero, the superhero named Jesus, the carpenter, who went around offering people miracles and eternal life, and it forever changed his life. And what God has done in Kaylin's life, giving him big dreams and then helping him remove mountain after mountain after mountain, he can do in your life if you follow the pattern of Jesus. So what mountains are you facing right now? What challenges lie before you? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Jesus showed us with his very life how to access that power. He gave us three important spiritual principles to take. Are you prepared to take all three? The first one, we must empty ourselves of the illusion of control. You know, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're holding on to control of your life and your destiny. Remember, only those who have Jesus in their life have access to this power. Today, I want to invite you to trust Jesus with your life. Maybe you do follow Jesus, but you're still living your life like you did before you followed Jesus. Maybe you're tired or weary or afraid. Jesus tells us it doesn't have to be this way. What are you trying to control that you have no control over? Would you be willing to open your hands towards God and say, I empty myself of the illusion of control and I turn my life over to you? Second step, we must align our entire life to the will of our Heavenly Father. Is there something God is whispering to your spirit? Something that He might want you to do, to change or to stop doing? Maybe you've never really considered what God wanted you to do. You've just kind of made it a practice of doing what you want or think is best and then asking God to bless it. But you just need to know, God doesn't work that way. The power of God is reserved for the will of God. Now, some of you, you know what it is, but for some reason you keep putting it off. What's keeping you from doing it? Most likely it's a fear of some kind. And so would you be willing to open your hands towards God and say, God, I am willing to align my my will to your will. I will follow whatever that is. And then step three, we must not try harder, but yield harder to the Holy Spirit. If you've given God control of your life and you've aligned your life to his will, all that's left to do is to yield the right away to the Holy Spirit within you. Don't force it. Don't try to manipulate God. God's spirit will work things out in his time. As the saying goes, God's never late. He's never early, but he's always on time. So stop striving. Just focus on your part. Empty yourself of control, align your will to God's, and then yield, defer to Him, and then let God's Spirit go to work. Would you be willing to open your hands and say, God, I yield to the power of your Spirit within me to overcome whatever mountain I face. I want to wrap up our empowered journey with one of my favorite verses. And if you've been, you know, kind of watching this or listening to this, you've been tuning in and out, I want you to just give me your full attention just for this next three minutes. I want to wrap up our journey with one of my favorite verses. And it's one of my favorites because it's a reminder to me that I was created for something more than just be a good person or live a moral life or just go to church or follow rules. God created me for more. And you know what? He created you for more too. And not surprisingly, we find this verse just a few verses after Paul's prayer. 
It's almost as if Paul was saying, here's why you have the same power. Here's what Paul writes. He says, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to, to create it, to do impact, to do great things. God's will is great things for you, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is God's invitation to you. Before you were even born, it was your destiny to join God in the amazing work He has planned. And so my charge to you is what I feel like God has been challenging me with over the last few months. My charge to you is don't settle. God has something more. God has something better for you. And here's how I know. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, would you live the kind of life where he is allowed to release it through you. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.